This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by John Henderson, Vice President and CIO of Chalk, a children's hospital in Orange County, California. John, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Pleasure to be here. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about in terms of some of the new technologies coming out and, and how IT teams are evolving. But before we dive into that discussion, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure, sure. Um, so I'm the Vice President of Sales for Children's Hospital of Orange County. I've been here just over four and a half years uh, in this role. I was previously in Houston, Texas, working for Texas Children's Hospital for about 22 years there. Um, and, uh, you know, as I've been here at Chalk the last four and a half years, um, you know, we've really been focused on a lot of transformational work, a lot of modernization work, uh, and really advancing uh, kind of the way we deliver uh, technology services uh, to Chalk. Uh, so that's kind of been uh, what we've been focused on. And uh, it kind of aligns with my background and what I did even previous uh, to joining uh, Children's Health Forum County. Fantastic. Well, um, given your role there at um, Chalk, what are some of the top two or three issues that are consuming most of your energy today? Oh, wow. I can narrow it to two. Uh, all right. So I'll start with um, something that may be surprising. Uh, professional billing has been uh, an area that's been consuming quite a bit of my time and our, our revenue cycle executive's time. Um, we've had some challenges with uh, a conversion um, that we did for our specialty group uh, last fall, late last fall. And it took us quite a while to really work through that. Uh, and it really consumed a significant amount of uh, my time uh, as well as my team. So we are working through uh, kind of the next wave of, I'll call it more enhancement uh, with uh, that particular implementation. Uh, but it's still consuming our time because we're just really sensitive to what we what we've come through, and want to make sure we don't lose any momentum or take any steps back. So spending the I'll, I'll say a good twenty percent of my time is spent uh, uh, with with that particular effort. Then I'll say the other area um, is really more about our remote work hybrid workforce um, as we are uh, closing out the year, and typically this is a, a high a census season with flu, RSV, and obviously with the pandemic, um, we're trying to be mindful of, of kind of where we are and what we do with our remote workforce and kind of transition to more of this hybrid workforce model that we've landed on. So just spending a lot of time on what are our next steps organizationally with that? Um, how do we continue to uh, stay engaged with our remote workforce? Because it's still very significant because we, we have not returned folks to the office um, and kind of cons considered, uh, we've kind of considered this whole approach of staying remote uh, as our new normal. Uh, and we may have uh, some adjustments to, to that uh, over time, but uh, just trying to make sure we keep the model in place, but also make sure we're staying engaged with uh, our workforce that's uh, remote. Got it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Absolutely. I, I think, you know, it sounds like two issues that are very, very present, I'm sure, with hospitals and health systems across the U.S. Um, specifically, when you look at the remote workforce, what kinds of challenges or roadblocks um, have you come across that maybe were expected, maybe weren't? And, you know, what are you looking at to do a little bit differently in the coming year? Well, I, you know, I think some of the challenges, um, you know, well, I'll take a step back. 
we were not a remote work organization before the pandemic, and we quickly pivoted uh, within a couple of weeks to you know 1,500 people being remote. Um, and so that brought um, some challenges uh, that we didn't expect really in, in the context of not having a full appreciation of certain areas and some of the applications that they were so dependent on. And so as we pushed them remote, what we found in some areas were we didn't have the applications built into our standard device image. And so we wound up running into challenges where uh, some of the departments couldn't complete their operations or run their normal business functions. And so we had to kind of revisit that and make sure we understood those applications and how they need to be configured so that they could really function effectively remotely. So we kind of worked through those, but those are some hiccups that we had. Um, and then I'll say one of the things that I think most people probably struggle with is um, the ability to print uh, at home. And so the approach we took was we were not going to allow anyone to print from home. And so we had to go through a whole process to kind of manage that expectation. Uh, and we've been able to keep that uh, intact in where we don't allow folks to print. We want to make sure we can really mitigate any risk of PHI, uh, PI that can get printed and then just get dis discovered uh, accidentally. So we've uh, worked through that. Um, and then I'll say the other challenge um, that we've run into ha really has to do with how do you um, how do you help the workforce not work uh, well beyond a, a typical work week uh, from an hour's perspective? Um, and so we've been really sensitive to, to trying to understand work patterns and uh, because it's very easy for you to start earlier and in later if you're at home. And so that's something that uh, we've been uh, very, very uh, focused on making sure we don't have people that, that burn out because they're just working uh, so, so many hours week in and week out. Absolutely. I think, you know, that's definitely a huge challenge. And like you said, it can be really easy to slip into a pattern where you're working almost constantly. And so having that ability to, um, and infrastructure in place to just make sure you do take those breaks and um, can get away from the house or get away from work is definitely very important. Um, considering what we've been discussing here, especially looking at the remote workforce, how do you see IT teams um, and health systems changing in the next 12 months or so? Additionally, are there any skill sets that you need more of to um, match the strategy for growth at the health system? You know, I, I think IT is going to really shift. Uh, you know, I think we've, we've been more of a service delivery organization. And I think with the pandemic, it's helped really shift to being more of a strategic partner in the organization and more of a critical function that can really help drive the organization forward. So I think you'll see a lot of that shift beginning to happen. But I also think uh, some of the other changes will, will also have to do with how our organizations are structured. Um, and, and what I mean by that is, the ability to provide digital capabilities, whether it's related to the patient experience, whether it's your workforce experience, and how do you really advance your operations, that really requires different skill sets, different capabilities from a technology perspective. Um, but it also 
requires different skill sets within the business. And so I think one of the things that's going to shift is the different roles that we need to need to have, but also how we really operate with the business. And so what you may see is there may be more, what I'll call more matrix, matrix organizations where you really have teams that are integrated with the business and IT where those, those, those teams are kind of, they stay intact. It's not just for a project. Now you may have a project that you have to deliver certain capabilities, but that team may wind up staying in perpetuity because once you get that initial delivery done, you're going to either continue to enhance or you're going to add more capabilities. And those same people that help deliver those, they're going to be critical for the next set of functions that you have to provide and capabilities you have to provide. So it's going to be more of this iterative uh, team that stays intact, even though they may have different reporting relationships. So that's kind of what I, how I see um, some of the changes from, a, from, a, from an IT perspective, uh, that, which also impacts uh, how operations are structured. Absolutely. That's really interesting to think about in terms of, you know, what um, initiatives and different areas of the organization have grown and, and evolved over the past few months or so um, and, and what will carry into the future. When you think about um, how the structure of the organization will be moving forward, um, you know, how are, are some of the biggest um, roles within the company changing, I guess, or, or excuse me, within the health system changing? You know, are you working closely with um, other executives or more closely than you did in the past? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, so, you know, chief strategy officer, um, working much more closely with, uh, with, with those, uh, with that executive. Um, always had a strong relationship with our marketing executive, um, but I think that'll even even tighten and be more integrated. Um, and then I think also from a uh, chief medical officer perspective, uh, you know, uh, that role in that function uh, is critical for how we drive and improve how we deliver care. And so seeing that relationship uh, really, really uh, grow and become so integrated because a lot of what um, uh, we do from an improvement perspective coming from a chief medical officer has to do with how do we leverage the information that we have in all of these systems, EMR and beyond, to really help drive improvement and make that information readily available so you can perform interventions, see if you're getting the right outcomes, see if you're getting improvement, and then do a next intervention and kind of con have that continuous improvement component. So those those relationships and working with, with those types of uh, my peers are going to be uh, critical going forward. Uh, and seeing much more uh, uh, tighter relationships there. Fantastic. That's really interesting to think about, and it will be exciting to see over the next you know, few months or so. And then I'm also wondering, before we wrap up our conversation here, what projects or technologies are you most excited about or interested in today? Mm. Wow. So I will say, uh, from a project perspective, there's probably a couple um, that I could point to. Um, we're doing a facility expansion. Uh, we're looking to centralize all of our specialty clinics into a new tower. And so anytime you introduce a new facility, you get the opportunity to try and bring 
modern advanced technologies uh, into those facilities. And so that's always fun uh, for me and for, for our team. So excited about that uh, opportunity and what that's going to bring. Um, then, uh, as I mentioned, digital patient experience and uh, the workforce, really excited about how do we introduce um, unified front door and really create a really cohesive, simple mobile experience, uh, as well as web experience for our patients. Um, really excited about advancing that. And then from a workforce perspective, um, particularly with having so many folks uh, remote, you really, you really have to figure out how can we bridge the on-premise workforce and the remote workforce, particularly when you think about whether it's Teams meetings, we're a big team shop, how do you make those meetings less fragmented? And so really interested in technology that can help us do that better uh, and make that experience um, more, I'll, I'll call it more seamless and more uh, interactive. Uh, and so there's some solutions out there uh, that Microsoft has int introduced that we're gonna explore and see if it can create a much more seamless experience uh, for, for better engagement with those meetings. So excited about those types of things, uh, as well as really creating a workspace uh, around our team's uh, infrastructure. Um, so everyone's kind of working from within that, that central hub. You don't have to jump out to all these different places to kind of do your, your daily function. So excited about that. And then I'll say the last thing from just a pure technology perspective, AR, VR technology. Really excited about those. Uh, we're doing some work with a couple of uh, vendors today uh, from an AR, VR perspective, some to really help our patients who are maybe coming for an MRI or coming for uh, any other type of images um, to really help prepare them for what that experience is going to look like when they're rolling down the long hallway to get to the big imaging machine to really kind of reduce their anxiety in doing it through an AR, VR experience. Um, so doing things of that nature, um, looking at a couple of vendors that are helping us with uh, um, lowering anxiety if they're having a procedure. Uh, so those types of things are really, really exciting. I think that particular technology is going to give us just so many opportunities with education and how we educate our clinicians on whether it's procedures, whether it's uh, more traditional uh, education, so you can get out of the instructor land and turn that into more of a, a virtual type of training and education. So really excited about those opportunities with those technologies. That's really great to hear. And obviously a lot to look forward to in 2022. John, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. This has been really a fantastic discussion and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you so much. It's been great talking with you.